Hello, I'm TJ and welcome to my garden. Uh, today I am outside actually recording, so you're literally in my garden with me. So you may hear the sound of birds in the background, um, especially hummingbirds. We have a hummingbird feeder nearby and they've been fighting quite a bit. Uh, so this is the first episode I'm recording. Well, this is like the third or fourth episode I'm recording. This is the first one I'm likely to release uh, because I've done a few practice episodes first. I have done other podcasts, but most of them have been about things like, you know, gaming, role-playing games, nerdy things. Um, this is the first one I've really done about uh, what I do for a living, which is gardening. I am a garden educator by trade, or at least I have been for the last year and almost year and a half. Uh, and I really enjoy doing that. I've also been a lifelong gardener, and I probably read more gardening books than is sane for a human being to read, but I do anyway. So I thought in this episode I would talk a little bit about uh, watering, how to water, when to water, how much to water, how to water, all the different watering topics because it is probably the most essential topic in gardening. Uh, but first I want to talk a little bit about me since this is the first episode. Uh, I was taught how to garden by my grandmother. Uh, I was an apprentice, uh, sort of. As a child I, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and she showed me how to garden and when I ran out of information she could give me. I started reading every book I could get my hand on and getting information that way, and then a lot of trial and error, playing around with it, getting used to it, learning about different plants. Uh, I think there's a saying out there that you have to, to really know a plant, you have to kill it at least three times. So I, I know quite a few plants. Um, and so that's kind of my qualifications for talking about this. Um, these episodes, I'm probably going to keep them relatively short because I don't have a lot of time to squeeze them in, but I just have so much going on in my head that I want to get out there, and quite frankly, I get tired of boring my friends with this knowledge, so hopefully people who are actually interested in gardening will, will pick this up and enjoy it. Anyway, let's get to watering. Uh, so watering is, that's the question, if you garden at all, you've probably been asked it like a hundred times, how much do I water this, when do I water? Hey, do you know when to water things? It's like the uh, gardening question everybody has because everybody's killed something either by underwatering or overwatering, or quite often both in different measures and not really even realizing it. Because quite often when you uh, underwater for a while, the roots die back, and then if you overwater, you're exposing that to moisture, and any dead tissue there is going to start rotting. Any connections it has to living tissues can cause problems. Vice versa, if you overwater, you can cause a little bit of rot, and then underwatering, the roots now have no moisture with which to sort of rebuild after that rot. So overwatering is a problem, underwatering can be a problem, and doing both in different orders can also be an equally big problem. So how do you solve these problems? Well, there's no... I, I really wish I could just say, this is how you water. There is a way to do that, and I'm going to go into that in a minute. It's the way farms do it. Um, but as far as gardening at home with multiple different plants in your beds and that sort of thing, the best way is literally the old way. Just get down there, stick your finger in the dirt. If it feels moist, you're probably okay. If past the first inch or so it's bone dry, you probably want to water. If your soil is so hard you can't stick your finger in the dirt, then you definitely want to water. Uh, but that's true of most common plants. Things like cacti, other specialty plants, you kind of have to develop more of a feeling for. Those really just need seasonal watering um, when things are really dry, that sort of thing. And they also don't need frequent watering. Uh, but most other common garden plants, if the soil's really dry, water it. Uh, it's as easy as that. And for the most part, that's the best answer. Uh, with pot plants, that's a good answer too. But the more true answer, I guess, is that you need to frequently 
check pot plants. Uh, you can't just check them, you know, once a week, once a month. You need to get down there and actually, you know, every other day, every day, stick your finger in there, see if it's wet, because those will actually dry out much quicker because it's obviously a much smaller volume of soil you're dealing with there, or I'm sorry, not soil, potting mix. Uh, so the water falls through and, you know, dries out a lot quicker than it does in natural uh, soil or in the ground. Now, I said there is a actual correct perfect answer. Uh, it involves a lot of money, a lot of calculations, and a lot of work. It's the way farms uh, manage their watering. Farms have very complex systems for determining how much to water. Uh, a good chunk of soil science is actually devoted to understanding the way water acts in the ground. So once you've watered, you need to know how much you watered, like the volume per square foot. So you know how many uh, square, how uh, it's like inches per square foot, stuff like that. You need to know how much water essentially you put in the soil. Then you subtract roughly half of that because within about three days, half the water you put in the soil has moved completely through the soil. It's called gravitational water and it's moved on to go do its thing. Uh, the plants can use that water for the three days while it's moving. They still have access to it, but after those three days, it's pretty much gone. So the remaining water is held in the soil. To know how much water your soil can actually hold, uh, there are some pretty complex processes where you can figure out your water's, uh, your soil's holding capacity, which is how much water it can actually keep attached to it. And so once you figure out what the holding capacity is, then you know how much water will actually be held by your soil. Uh, and there are chemical tests for that. Actually, if depending upon where you live, your extension service may offer that as a free service, even for home gardeners. So you should really look at your local college extension services and see, agricultural extension services are called sometimes too, see which ones offer this, which ones don't. In most of California, it's pretty hit or miss. Uh, here in Bakersfield, our extension service does a lot of stuff with farmers. It doesn't do a lot of stuff with home gardeners. So, uh, we kind of lose out a little on that. But in the rest of California, it's kind of different. Uh, and in the rest of the country, it's definitely different. So definitely check with your local uh, extension office and see what they can provide because they may be able to actually do soil tests like that for you. So once you know your water holding capacity or you have a rough estimate of your water holding capacity, then you can basically start doing math for how much water you're losing per day. Now, the main loss of water is actually not just going to be good old-fashioned evaporation. It is part of it, but a lot of that water is actually going to be lost by the plants. Um, plants draw up water. They use it actually to hold up their bodies. Uh, Non-lignous plants, meaning non-woody plants, plants that don't have any actual wood in their stem or anything like that, they hold themselves up largely through what's called cell turgidity. It's basically the cells are acting as these little water-filled balloons, and it's just a stack of balloons, essentially, holding the plant up. Uh, also, a lot of its internal functions rely on water moving up and down through the vascular system, which is roughly uh, analogous to our circulatory system, right? Our veins, our blood vessels. Um, it's the same thing. They have water going up and water going down through the phloem and xylem. So everything in a plant is water movement. And the big part of how it does all of that is it's always pulling water up and it has a continuous stream of water coming up from the roots through the plant and out through the leaves. And that is your evapotranspiration, which is a big fancy word that basically means uh, not just water that evaporates, but the water that is transpired or respirated out by the plants. Humans do the same thing. If you've ever been in a room full of people, uh, you can tell 
it gets a little more humid in there, right? That's why a lot of air conditioning systems draw moisture out of the air. It's not just because that's the nature of air conditioning. I mean, that's part of it. But it's also semi-intentional because a room, a hot room full of people is a humid room full of people because we're transpiring water every time we breathe. Plants do the same thing, and they actually do it worse. Um, I have one rather unfun story of when I decided... Uh, well, I didn't decide. I was already moving, and there was a rainstorm that happened that day, and I had to get all my plants out of my old place and into the new place, so I packed them in my car. Inside my car. Not in a trunk. I didn't have a truck. I had a little convertible, and so I had these packed in the back seats. The side, the convertible top was obviously up. Uh, I had the plastic window in the back. It was kind of a cheesy 80s convertible. And about, I would say, I, I didn't get more than a mile or two away from... Uh, my place before every window in the car was just completely fogged up. So here I am wiping the fog off the windows, desperately trying to drive and wipe the fog and not get hit or get myself killed. Um, I, the, the upshot of the story is I got there safe and sound. The downside is I got there absolutely terrified because all I could see were lights flashing by me and kind of going driving by memory in places. It was, it was awful. Uh, so don't do that. I don't recommend it. But it did burn into my brain just how much water plants can put out. These plants hadn't been watered that long ago. They'd been watered, I would say, two days ago, uh, two days before that time, because I knew I was moving and I didn't want to carry a bunch of heavy soaked pots. So I watered them as far ahead of when I was moving as I could safely do without causing the plants to have issues. And then I uh, immediately, you know, carried a bunch of nice light pots. And even with that little bit of water in there, those plants were still spraying it out through their leaves. Uh, cacti and succulents do this quite a bit less because they're, they, they use systems like uh, the crassular acid metabolism, which basically means they do their photosynthesis at night. And so they are during the day. They, they do their photosynthesis during the day, but they respirate at night. And so that way they basically can leave their stomata, the little holes on their surface. They can leave those closed during the day and then open them at night and put out less water because, uh, you know, hot, dry air is going to pull more water through those stomata than the cooler night air. Anyway, that's what evapotranspiration is and why you kind of need to factor it into your plants. So you calculate based on the evapotranspiration per day, and there are actually uh, sites that will give you the predicted evapotranspiration for a given day based on the heat, yada, yada. Um, these are used by farmers all the time. In fact, some they have automated systems that actually will pull these figures and do all the math for them. So they know if they water on day X, they'll need to water again on day Y based on how much water they're losing and how much water they need to keep out there. Um, another big thing is monitoring your plants, not for when they wilt. I mean, when they wilt is when you want to definitely get them water. But there is... Um, a permanent wilt point and that is the point at which the plant's done it's never going to come back from that the wilt damage is done to the leaves um, you may eventually get a plant to come back from the permanent wilt point but it's not doing it with the leaves and stuff it has this is something that's gonna have to regrow um, probably from the base if at all so once you hit that permanent wilt point your, your plant is essentially dead but once you just begins to wilt that's when you need to get water to them now how often and when to water is going to depend largely on your climate. Um, in cooler climates, you can water any time of the day. I know you hear a lot that, you know, the sunlight will take all the water out of the ground. It's going to be semi-negligible if you're in a humid, uh, cooler climate. If you're in a very dry climate, if you're in a very hot climate, 
you definitely want to water mornings and afternoons, uh, late afternoon, ideally, even going into night. You don't usually want to water at night just because you want to give at least a little bit of time for the sunlight to take the moisture off the leaves. That's why mornings and uh, evenings, just as it begins to cool down, are the best times. But here in uh, Bakersfield, California, we have really, really hot summers. And so once the temperatures start getting into the 90s, I have to water twice a day. I have to water usually early in the morning and then middle of the day just to get my plants through. Uh, at the learning garden where I work, I grow several different types of crop plants there. And if I'm not watering twice a day, they are wilting severely between waterings. And eventually some of them just don't come back. So you do sometimes have to water in the middle of the day. Uh, depending upon your climate. Really hot climates are worse than really cool climates. The best situation for a really hot climate is to grow things that will tolerate the heat. A uh, few crop plants will. Okra does exceptionally well. Um, you can also look at some traditional varieties of crops that aren't grown widely anymore, but were grown by native peoples who lived in these areas. Things like the temporary bean, the uh, various varieties of corn that can tolerate drier climates. In fact, there is, I will put a link in the show notes, there's the Native Seed Search folks. They actually do several uh, traditional Native American varieties. And, well, they complicate because when they say Native American, they mean North America in general, including Mexico and Canada. So, um, but they specifically focus in the Southwest, but they include parts of Northern Mexico in that. So that's sort of their what they're carving out as their area. And uh, so that includes a lot of crops from Mexico and a lot of crops from the Southwest here in the United States. And a lot of those will grow great in our dry, hot Southwestern climates. So definitely give a look at those. Um, and those would mean that you would have to water less often. So, I mean, I, I'm about, what am I? A good 13 minutes in, most of the way through the show. And it seems like I haven't really given you an answer. I've just given you a lot more questions. Uh, but the, the general guideline, and so here's here's what I want to leave you with if you're a beginning gardener, is watch your plants. I mean, that's the, the easiest thing is to make sure you spend time with your plants. You're gardening because you love the plants, because you want to have plants. You know, you're, you're either trying to maybe grow a little food for the family. Uh, maybe you just want to grow some cool hot peppers. Maybe you love flowers. Whatever it is that you love about your garden starts and ends at your plants. And so you need to get out there and watch them. Uh, hand watering makes that really easy because you're out there a lot. But if you're in a dry climate like me, hand watering is the least optimal way because during the summer, one miswatering or mistimed watering can be the death of all your plants. Um, but you definitely want to get out and take a look at your plants, look for bugs, look for things like that. But definitely just give them at least one good solid look a day to see if they're wilting, if they're dying back, if they're having problems. If they are, increase the amount of watering you're given. Uh, when you're doing it, how often you're doing it and how much you're doing it. If they look fine, then they probably are fine. Uh, check the soil occasionally, like I said, just to be sure, but if it, if it feels moist, it probably is retaining enough moisture. If you find your soil is really bad at retaining moisture, you're gonna wanna get more organic matter in there. Uh, that can be compost, that can be mulch. Uh, mulch is especially good at holding moisture in. Compost tends to become part of your soil profile pretty quickly. 
mulch tends to leave distinct layers above it that help keep the moisture down. Because if you ever actually look at a soil chart, there is a level zero, which is organic matter. Some areas have them, some areas don't. But the areas that hold the moist mo most moisture in their soils generally have a, a level zero. And that is your organic matter, your mulch, your leaves, your, your sticks, that sort of thing. So if you can mimic that in your beds, you could keep more water in the soil. Another good thing is if you have drip lines, you run them under the mulch, that's even better. Um, but definitely get out there, check your plants, check the soil, stick a finger down there, you know, see if it comes up dirty, that sort of thing. It's really old wisdom, but it's old because it works. If you have more money, then yeah, go out and buy a soil monitoring system, get soil blocks, the whole nine yards. That's, that's how farms manage their stuff. They also are now using more drones, so they use drones that can actually see how much water is in the soil. So the sky is really the limit if you have the budget. Otherwise, a good finger in there. Um, well, I think I've rambled about this about as much as I can right now. Um, I do have a lot more thoughts on watering plants, but we'll get to that some more. Um, generally speaking, just water when they need it. Keep water off the leaves as much as possible. Um, sometimes you do have to clean the leaves and that sort of thing. So it's not it's not a like hard and fast rule. It's just as much as you can. Try not to leave them soaked. Um, so watering closer to the base or with drip, that sort of thing is always better. And water as frequently as the plants seem to need it. If they don't seem to need it as much as you're doing, cut it back and save a little money. Anyway, uh, thank you for sitting through the very first episode of TJ's Garden. Um, I will be working on some more. Uh, and I hope to see you soon. Uh, you can catch everything I do over at tjsgarden.com. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Bye.